bring a word to you today, and um, I tell you what, in the past few weeks we've talked, and we've talked about storms, we've talked about hard times, and, and I've been in, in rough spots those past few weeks. God finally gave me a little breathing room after last week's sermon, and um, I've had a good week. I've had, I've had a good weekend. I've seen God just move in amazing ways, and, and today the, the title of the sermon is After the Storm. I want to talk to you today. We've talked about the storm last week. We talked about what the storm looks like and, and what, what, what the storm is like in the middle of it and how it rages on us and, and how we need to acknowledge who's in charge of that storm, what we need to do inside of that storm, how it's okay to cry out to God in the midst of your storm. But you know what? I am thankful that God brings those storms to an end too. And it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. Maybe your storm ended last week. There's another one on the way. Life is full of storms. That's just the truth. But you know what? One day our storm will eternally end and we'll stand before the Son. We'll stand before the Father and we will be eternally happy. We'll be eternally at rest, eternally peaceful, eternally fulfilled. And we'll glorify the Father in heaven forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You're looking forward to that? But what I'm excited to tell you about today, what I'm excited to speak about today is that we can have that peace right here, right now. I want to talk to you about the storm. I want to talk to you about what happens after the storm and the effects that if you allow God to do in your life will come after the storm. Before we get into the word, let's have a prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful to you today, God, that I can come and I can speak on your behalf, God, and I can be used by you as a tool to build these guys up, to build these ladies up, to build these in this room, these young people, to build them up so that they glorify you more, so that they can be used, so, God, that they will be fulfilled and that they will have and see their purpose so that they could walk in the newness of life and that they would be effective in their communities, in their homes, wherever they are, in their workplaces. God, I pray that you would help us to know that the end of the storm, the eternal storm is coming, but that you bring peace and solitude and the end of storms, life storms, as we walk through life too. And so, God, I pray that we would be used, God, that we would see our storm for what it is and that it would even be a tool to help and shape and help us to glorify you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited today to bring this message to you because I get to give you the other side of that storm. I get to give you the other side of the message. And there are a lot of people sitting in this room today who are struggling still in a storm. And I understand that. <clears throat> I acknowledge that. And so you need to hold on to that. But you need to hold on to this as well. Because God, your storm has a reason. Your storm has a purpose. Your storm is designed by God to do something inside of you, to do something in your world that would be uh, of a good result, that would be about uh, building you up and putting you together, that would benefit you and ultimately glorify Him. That's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to stay in the book of Ruth, and I'm going to give you a little bit of context, but I'm going to read you a section of Scripture as well. And I want to kind of show you what the results were of Naomi's storm. You see, a lot of you right now, and, and people in general, us in general, we are now types of people. We are now types of people. And so we preached the sermon last week, and we say, you hold on in your storm because your storm has purpose. Your storm has a reason. God is in charge of your storm. He won't put nothing on you that you cannot bear up under, that you cannot stand up under and glorify Him. He's not going to put too much on you so we can take 
we can take, really, we can take ease. And we can take courage that God is the author of our storm. He is the one who has it under control. And he knows you inside and out. He knows what you're going through. But we have a hard time even with that because we are immediate people. Have it your way. Have it right away. We get mad when a drive through fast food's not fast enough. You mean my car had to stop? You were supposed to do a handoff out the window. Ninja star your credit card. We live in an age of ATMs and, and, and debit cards. Just pull it out, pop it out. We don't have to do change anymore. And so we want it right now. We have a hard time trusting God out there. But I want to tell you it's worth it out there. Let me tell you about Naomi. Let me tell you about her storm and about the results of her storm. Because I want to tell you, not only is the end of the storm coming, not only is the end of the storm upon us, not only is the end of the storm near, but growth out of the storm is there as well. You see, we do not at the well. I will not, I refuse to preach this hold on gospel. I am not going to preach a hold on gospel. I'm not preaching a one day gospel. I'm preaching a right now gospel. I'm preaching a power gospel. Not a one day you'll be okay, but God has you right now. And if you know Jesus, you are okay. Amen? I'm not preaching somewhere out there. I'm preaching right here, right now. Lives change today. Lives change within the next five minutes. I'm talking about you walking in here one way and walking out another. I'm telling you right now that Jesus Christ is able and willing that if you would come and lay yourself at his feet, he would pick you up and make you unstoppable. Yeah. Come on, you give it up on that. That's, that's not mine, that's his. Jesus Christ is the most amazing God being. He's, it's amazing what he can do with something that's so useless. It's amazing what he can do. Wesley said a little bit while ago, he said, you know what? I'm amazed that not only did God rescue me. You know what? I mean, it took a lot of work. We talked at the men's retreat, and, I, and I'll refer to this men's retreat because this weekend, it was, it, was, it was given to me, this retreat was given to me by God to help me to see what this sermon, how it, how it fleshed itself out. Because what I saw was, and he was right, what I saw was broken and hurting men who had, who had, struggles in their life and they didn't know why they were going through these things they didn't know why this was going on they didn't know they didn't know why God would allow this to go on and we're talking about anything from you know struggling with dad not being there to not having any example to falling into drugs and and just all these types of things going on uh, some had been in church their whole lives but had been so callous to Jesus Christ to become religion and they couldn't really see or feel but now they're seeing God that's the cool thing about What's going on here to me is that not only are we reaching lost sinners, you know, those who have addictions, those who have obvious sin, but we're seeing the religious, those who have been going to church for years and years and years, and their sin isn't so obvious. But we're seeing them come and saying, look, I've been in church for 40 years. I've never seen God. We've got a man that was on the retreat with us. I don't know where he is. He's all over the place in here. 47 years, yes. I don't know why that just happened, but it was for a reason. Who did that need to happen for? <laughs> I don't know, 47 years he was in church, 47 years he was, he was walking through the motions, going through, going through the, the routine, and all of a sudden he comes one day and he says, 
I've never seen God like that before. Never seen God like that before. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing the religious and those who think they have it together. And we're seeing those who know they don't have it together, so they just throw it all away. We're seeing God redeem this one, redeem this one, and set them up together to do the work of God. That is a miracle. That is a miracle of God. He's moving in all walks of life. Moving in all walks of life. And, and this weekend I saw people who said, I don't, know, I don't know why this happened to me. But what I saw was, at least here, was the fruit. It was the result. It was the good thing that God was bringing through their storm. Because I saw men who were seasoned veterans and who had walked through storms look at other men who were struggling and say, I've been there and I've done that and this is what God did for me through that storm. And he embraced that young man and he said, I'm here for you, brother. And that in and of itself was worth it to be able to minister to and love on that young man and to bring them out of that storm. I want to talk to you about Naomi's storm and the results because some of you here today need to hear that your storm has meaning, your storm has purpose, and if you will press into God and if you will lay down at Jesus' feet, he will pick you up and he will use your storm to do things that you never imagined that he would do. If you remember the story of Ruth, if you remember the story of Naomi, Naomi went uh, into the, the land of Moab and, and she went with her husband and her two sons. They picked up wives and they, they I don't know if it was disease or what happened, but they, they died. So here Naomi is, in a, is, she's in a foreign land. She's in a land that's not even her home, and the only people there that she knows and that she has close to her that she can hold on to, they die. Her husband dies and her two sons die, and she's left with these two daughters-in-laws who she now is responsible for taking care of. And in that culture, if you remember what I was saying, is that women were really low in the economical chain, or in, in anybody's thought, it was like they couldn't make a living like they can now. It was so, it's hard now, but it was, it was almost near impossible then. So much so that she moves back to uh, Judah. She moves back, and only one of her daughter-in-laws goes with her, and her name is Ruth. She goes back to the to the land of Judah, and the way that they survive is, is that Ruth, who is young enough to do it, Naomi, the, the storm is taking a toll on her. They look at her, they don't even recognize her. They say, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? She says, don't even call me Naomi anymore, because that, that name means blessed or prosperous. I am not that anymore. God has cursed me. God has poured out bitterness on me. God has poured out sorrow on me. There's nothing good here anymore, so you call me Mara. You call me bitterness, because I'm in the middle of the storm. I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to see anybody. There's nothing good in my life anymore. The storm has overwhelmed me. So they come back, and Ruth actually, she goes out into the fields, and she's almost like a servant. She's almost like a beggar. She goes out into this field, and she is walking behind those who are harvesting the crops. And as they, as they leave a little behind, and in those days, it's called gleaning. In those days, it was actually part of the law that you did not take everything. You couldn't go and take every bit of crop, every bit of profit out of your, out of your field. That was illegal. You had to keep some, you had to leave some behind so that those who were in need, those who were struggling, could come behind you and glean and have enough to live. You had to leave a little bit. And so this is where she was in life. She was out practically begging in the fields so that she could make it. And she goes into this field of this man named Boaz, which is an awesome name. Boaz. 
I bet Boaz was a bad dude. You know? Good businessman. I bet, I bet nobody messed with Boaz. I mean, Boaz. I, if I have another son, which if I have another kid, I'm sure it'll be a son. Heather will not let me name him Boaz. <laughs> you thought I was going to say I was going to name him Boaz, didn't you? But I bet Boaz was a man. He was a man. He was a good man. He, he took care of people. As a matter of fact, when he saw Ruth in the field and she was gleaning, he told his workers, he's like, look, you know, this, this girl, she's trying to make it. They're, they've been through this storm. I want you to just accidentally drop a little bit. Leave some scraps for her. Make it so it's not quite so hard on her. Leave a little bit behind. So as the slave, she's receiving the scraps. Well, at this point in the story, we are at this place where Naomi sees that Boaz is kind of taking a little bit of interest in Ruth. Even though she's out in the field, she's dirty, she's, now she's in, down in the dirt. You know, you can imagine her just grinding out potatoes, digging them out of the ground. You know, she's walking behind them. Her, her, I'm sure her, she's not got a nice dress on. She's not all fixed up. She's not looking very nice. And, you know, they didn't have two-a-day showers back then, so she's probably ripe. And dirty, her fingernails are kind of grimy. And Boaz is looking, and he must have felt sorry for her because he's like, drop a little something so she don't got to work so hard. Man, you know, she's looking rough. Help her out. But he takes notice of her. And so it's not because he, he actually is like, who is that over there? What's that? What's that little fine name, you know? And some of his men's like, her name is Ruth, and they tell him a little bit about her. He's like, hmm, who's she with? <laughs> it's biblical, man. Y'all should look for a wife. Hey, there's a lot of single ladies here. Look for it, but you need to have your junk together. We talked about that before. Look for a godly woman. Look for a woman who is willing to work. Look for a woman, and not work outside. I mean, I mean a woman who is willing to get things done, you know, who is willing to be used by God, who is willing to, to love on those around them. So he's looking, and, and Naomi understands when, when Ruth comes home with this big bag of groceries, and she hadn't even been gone that long, she's like, what? Where did that come from? And she's like, well, Boaz, you know, he kind of hooked me up. And she's like, you know he didn't just give you that because he was giving you that, right? She's like, listen, this might be your opportunity. This might be your opportunity. So he tells, she, actually, Naomi gives her some advice. So this might be an opportunity for you to have rest. And here's where we pick up in the story. We're looking at chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 today. The book of Ruth chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. Listen to what the scripture says. Then Naomi her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See he is, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore, take a bath and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. This sounds like some crazy advice to me, but I'm just saying. I will, I will we'll kind of straighten it out in a minute, I think. <clears throat> I mean, I would be like, for real? And she replied, all that you will say I will do. She didn't even ask, she didn't even question. She's like, okay. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and, and drunk, he and his heart was merry. He had a plan. 
He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At mid- Listen to this part. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. I mean, everybody like, amen. <laughs> he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. If I had one line in all the scripture that my, my wife would memorize, it would be, spread your wings over me, for you are a redeemer. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Verse 10, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord. Listen to this part. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. I am a redeemer. And it goes on to tell some more, but that's where we're going to stop, and that's what we're going to look at. Sounds a little bit like a crazy story, doesn't it? It is. I'll tell you what, when I was reading this, and, and you know you've got to understand that all of Scripture is about Jesus Christ. It all comes back to Jesus Christ and how he loves us and how he is redeeming us. But I, what I want to do is I want to pull some things out of this that I think will help and benefit you in your life. And as you deal with storms, and we're going to look at three aspects about about Naomi's life and about after her storm and we're going to go through kind of quickly because I think God is going to make this very clear to you I think that God is going to speak a word to you that will uplift you that will carry you through your storm and even help you to be effective where you are now so that your storm would have been useful don't waste your storm don't waste your storm but you let it be used by God so that you might glorify him and do his work The first thing is, is that after the storm, we are more weathered and wise. After the storm, we are more weathered and wise. I want you to think about Naomi's life. I want you to think about how tough it must have been for her to lose everybody that she knew and to lose everything that she held dear to her heart and have no hope and not only be living in a place where she knew no, where she knew she didn't know anybody, but have to go back to Judah, who by this time, everyone was a distant relative, or everyone was, was kind of looking at her like, what in the world's going on? You remember in, in the last, last sermon, we talked about there was a stir or an uprising. There was, there was a commotion in the city when she came back. Everybody was looking at her. You ever been there? You know, you, you go through this thing, and it's already bad enough on you. You know, you're already dealing with all of this stuff. And then when you get around the people that should be uplifting you and encouraging you and loving on you, they're looking at you like, can you believe what happened? You know what happened, right? Did you hear what she did? Did you hear what happened to them? And so she's coming back to the city that that she grew up in and that she knew, but now everybody's looking at her like, man, there's something wrong with her. So she really had nobody, and, and, but now she's coming through this storm, and I have to think that God is starting to work on her, and God is, is keeping her close, and God is allowing her. We saw her cry out before God in the last sermon. We saw her, her, her almost in anger. God, why is this happening? God is the one that's taking this from me. God is the one who is pouring this out on me. God is the one who has taken from me and taken from me and taken from me. Why? But here we see her start to to come back around and see that 
you know, I might have went through these things, but God has a plan for this. And we see there in verse 1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? I want you to notice something right here. It says that then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, what did she say to her? Did she say, my daughter-in-law? She said, my daughter. My daughter. There are no accidents in God's word. There are no accidents in God's word. You see, Naomi had built a relationship with Ruth through this storm, through this trial, through this hardship that drew them closer together so that she had a better relationship and a closer relationship with Ruth than she could have ever had without this storm. They had drawn them together. We saw that this weekend. There was relationships built. Let me tell you right now that some of you are going through the things that you are going through so that you can develop the relationships that you are developing right now. You are seeking prayer from people. You are seeking encouragement from people. You are reaching out and longing for someone to come into your life to say, I am there with you. Don't you remember that's what Ruth did with Naomi? She said, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I'm going to be here for you. And in doing so, she developed a relationship with her that could not be broken. And Naomi learned through this storm. She learned through this storm that it wasn't about her, that it wasn't about what she was going through, but it was about what God wanted to do in her down the road. It was about what God wanted to use her for and how he was equipping her to do a good work and to reach out and to love on someone else. God is using your storm, if nothing else. And there are many reasons why you might have went through the storm that you went through. Some of them are your fault. Some of them are to build you up. Sometimes we bring storms on ourselves by our actions. And God allows the storm so that we can be corrected. But sometimes it is to equip us. I want to tell you right now that if not for the life that I had lived before I ever got saved, and I don't know, I know there's a lot of new people here from the last time that I shared my testimony. If it was not for the life that I had lived before I got saved, am I proud of it? Absolutely not. But do I know God's going to use it? I absolutely do, and he already has. I went to jail nine times before I was 20 years old. Dope head, drug addict, any drug that you want to think of. Up for days and days, stealing cars. But you know what? I can go, I can still go to the hood. I can still go over there and I can shoot ball with them. I can, they'll invite me to their house. They know where I stand now. They know who I am. But I can talk to those guys about Jesus. And there's a lot of those guys here right now because of my storm. God used the hell that I went through and the storm that pounded on me. And the storm that my mom went through, the storm that my dad went through, and the storm that God knows my wife went through, he is now bringing about the growth. And we in those times, and she really in those times, were thinking, she had to be thinking, why God, why God would you put this love in me for this man? But she wouldn't leave. She should have. You see, Naomi was seeking rest for Ruth. Naomi had stopped thinking about Naomi so much as she was thinking about Ruth. It says, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative? 
with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak. You see, how many people could you help? How many people could you reach out to because of your storm? Because of your storm. And, and I talked to Wesley a little bit. I know some of the guys. I told them it was going to come. I told them when they let their storm be known so that they can help others, it is going to be said of you by Satan. You shouldn't have done that. You are going to come under attack. You should not have bared that to those people. You should not have confessed those sins. You should not have confessed those things that were done to you. But God is wanting to use them. God is looking to speak into someone's life because of the things that you went through. Because of the things that you are going through, God is wanting to use it. But we oftentimes say that i got to hide that. i got to hide that. Somebody's going to think bad of me. Somebody's going to think lowly of me. They're not going to accept me. So i got to put this behind. And you won't let God use your storm. And so you know all that does is it makes you bear up the burden and the pain on your own. So not only does God want to, to take away the burden and to take away the pain and set you free from it, but he's wanting to turn it from something negative into something positive so that you might be able to be effective for the kingdom of God in a way that you never expected. And that thing that Satan meant for evil, that thing that they meant for evil, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Let God use it. You see, this storm has prepared you to be used. This storm is the preparation for you to be used. I hear all the time people tell me, they say, Brandon, I'm no good. I can't come to church. Matter of fact, I don't think Wesley would mind me sharing. When, when, when I went to talk to Wesley, when he came and he led worship for the first time, all of us knew that he was supposed to be here. And when I went and I talked to Wesley, I said, hey, man, what do you think? I, I just feel like God's leading you here. What do you think? He told me, he said, I can't, I can't I'm never led. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't come. I can't, you know, I've never done it before. I don't know what to do. I, I'm not prepared to do that. You don't understand my past. That's what he told me. Well, I had never shared him my past. <laughs> he said, you don't understand. And he lays out all these things. And he tells me, he's like, you don't understand. And I looked at him and I said, you know, he said, you don't want me because of this stuff. And he can come up here and tell you the same thing. I looked him dead in the eye and I said, no, I want you because of that stuff. You see, many of you are thinking God can't use me because of what I've done. I'm telling you that God will use you more because of what you've done. God will use you more because of the things that you have went through. God will use you more and he will use you in a way that other people cannot be used. He will change lives through you. He will speak into people's lives that nobody else can talk to. Nobody else can talk to those people because they've never been there. They've never done that. They've never seen that before. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to talk about it. But maybe you can talk to them because you've been there. After the storm, we are more weathered and wise. We can help people because of the things that we have went through number two after the storm the fog clears and we can see Nate after the storm the fog clears so that we can see exactly what God is going to do in our lives and exactly what God is wanting to do in our lives let me continue reading see what it says here it says see he is winnowing barley tonight at the at the threshing floor it says he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor he is at work he is at work you see Boaz is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. 
You see, we think that, that we have to get out in the fields and we have to work and we have to get at it and we have to gather all that we can and we have to fight and we have to go and we have to work and we have to make sure that God is doing what he's doing because we have pleased him and we got to do all of these things in order to make it right, in order to, 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 to get into where we need to be. But what she is learning through the storm is that it's not her that's going to be able to do the work. You don't have what it takes to do what you need. You don't have the equipment. You don't have the funds. You don't have the laborers. You don't have what you need. You are not the one who is able to work out your salvation. You are not the one that works. You see, Naomi had great advice. She said, you need to anoint. First of all, she said, you need to take a bath. <coughs> which I just thought was funny. She's like, man, you stink. You want to have a shot with Boaz, you need to clean up a little bit, put a little perfume on, you know, a little razzle-dazzle. Clean up, put your nice clothes on. And then I want you to go in where he's working. He's the one working. I want you to go in and I want you to lay down at his feet. I want you to lay down at his feet. And he'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you what to do. So many of us think that, and you know, when I first read this, I thought, well, that, that seems kind of backwards to what, to what I think. You know, we don't need to dress up for Jesus. We don't need to, we don't need to, uh, you know, make sure that we're all dolled up and dressed up. Until I got to researching a little bit more, and I got to looking a little bit more, and in the Old Testament, <coughs> when you when you think about anointing something, you think about the sacrificial system. There is another place in the Old Testament where, where people are anointed. And you know when it was? The people were anointed. It was actually the priests who were anointed. You sprinkled the oil to anoint things to consecrate and set them apart for God. And you actually poured oil on the priests and people to set them apart for God. And set them apart for good works. To set them apart to say, I am yours. I am yours alone. I am not anybody else's. I have come to surrender. I, I have nothing inside of me that is pulling me in another direction. I have nothing inside of me that desires anything more than I desire you. I am about you. I am about your business. I am consecrated. I am set apart for the work of God. I am looking no Nowhere else I am looking to you and that's what this is about you see Ruth could have just continued to work in the field and she could have got enough to survive how many of you are surviving today and you're not using your storm how many of you are just hanging on to the end how many of you are still just grunting and, and getting down in the dirt and just just scraping what you can get by and barely just hobbling along when God's wanting to pick you up, sit you on his feet, and dance with you because he has more plans for you. He has a bigger thing for you. And your storm is the thing that he is using to say, look around, look around. I'm not asking you to go out into the field and work. I'm not asking you to get down and get dirty trying to do what you think it is that you need to do. I am asking you to come and lay down at my feet, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart saying, God, I don't want anybody else like I want you. God, I'm not going after anybody else like I'm going after you. It's you and you alone, baby, that I want. You are the one. I'm going to come lay at your feet and you tell me whatever you want me to do. Hey. Woo! 
That last point says it almost always takes a storm to make us surrender. You see, if, if Naomi would have never been through that storm, then Ruth would have thought that she was somebody. And you think she'd have been out in that field picking up scraps? Huh. No. You think that she would have ever? Okay, I'll just tell you right now. Let me ask any woman in here. Have you ever thought, oh, that guy's awesome. I'm just going to go lay at his feet. No. Absolutely not. Feet are gross. I don't know. Some of y'all like feet, and I'm not even going to get into that. Because foot fetishes, I don't get that, you know. But whatever. As long as it's your wife. Your, I've never met a wife who had a foot fetish because men's feet just nasty. You know what I'm saying? Some women have pretty feet. Not all of them, though. But, I mean, seriously. I mean, what woman is going to go, I think I'd like to have a relationship with this guy, or I think that he's going to hook me up, so I'm just going to go lay down at his feet. You'll find where he's sleeping, uncover his feet, and I think I, I'll tell you what I think that means later. Uncover his feet and just lay down. I mean, I don't, oh, the Bible. Hey, he said, you know, Wesley said a while ago, he said, I might cry up here, and y'all might think I'm weird. Let me tell you right now, we serve a weird God. I'm just going to tell you that. You think about Jesus and how upside down he was, how, how, how just slammed backwards he was from what everybody thought. Everybody in the world that ever met Jesus Christ thought, that dude's weird. That dude is weird. He's different. Jesus Christ said the first will be last and the last will be first. That was weird. We serve a weird God. If people look at you like you're crazy, say, well, I serve a crazy God. <laughs> hey, you go read Ezekiel and come tell me God ain't crazy. I'll tell you right now, we'll debate that all day long. He's crazy for you, so that's, that's what we do. It almost always takes a storm to make us surrender. You see, if it wouldn't have been for that storm, Ruth would have never went in and laid down at Boaz's feet, unless he was just a man. I mean, his name is Boaz. But I, what I'm saying is that without the storm, she's not going to lay down at his feet. She's not going to surrender like that. She's not going to consecrate herself and set herself apart. She needs him. She needs him. She needs him like you need Jesus. You need to stop your working to get him. And you need to lay down at his feet. You need to lay down at his feet and uncover his feet. What in the heck does that mean? I'll tell you what I think it means. The third one, and this is the fastest sermon I've ever preached. Y'all are welcome. After the storm... The sun shines brightest. This is the most amazing part of the sermon. Yeah, the band needs to come up because we better rock it. The sun shines brightest after the storm. And I've, had, I've been talking to a lot of people since we preached that last week. In the past couple of weeks, people come to me saying, man, please pray for me. I'm in a storm. Please pray for me and I'm in a storm. And God gave me this like last week. And he said, you know, the sun always shines brightest after the storm. How many of you know that's true? physically in the world i'm telling you i'll be at work one day a little rain shower pop up and i've and i've heard somebody say oh man this is cool this is great it cooled us off a little bit i said man you not worked outside after the rain because good lord I'm, i don't know if it's because there's water in the atmosphere it's like a magnifying glass you know when i was a kid i did do that thing with a magnifying glass a couple times with the ants and it's like payback after the rain it's like ugh. the sun shines brightest after the rain the sun shines brightest after the storm. You see, God, when I, I believe that when Naomi told him, said, 
go in and lay down at his feet and uncover his feet. Listen to what happened. So she went down to the threshing floor where he's working and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. I believe what happened was, is that she went in, she crept in, you know, she didn't want nobody to see her, but she did want to be noticed, but she didn't want to be noticed at that time. So she crept in real soft and real slow. I do this when I'm trying to get one kid out of bed in the morning without waking the other kid up. And I say, He don't wake up. He, he could care less. I uncover him. He's like, what? I'm like, shh, shh, shh. Don't you wake him up. I'm, I'm serious. I really do do that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, wake up. Wake up. I believe that she went in and she, she uncovered his feet because she wanted him to wake up. But she wanted him to notice her in a certain kind of way. Oh, that's good. Because there's so many of you here that want God to notice you. You're saying, God, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. God, I'm here. Wake up, God. Wake up, God. You know what it says? That it says that he woke up. He was startled. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Do you? And he was startled and he looked and he said, Behold, a woman lay at his feet. God always notices somebody laying at his feet. A broken and contrite spirit is what he's after. Lay down at his feet. And God says, hey, I see you. Hey, I see you. You see a lot of you are struggling in your storm. And you say, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm telling you what to do. Lay down at his feet. Lay down at his feet. And he'll see you. Let me tell you what happens when you lay down at his feet. <laughs> it's so good. Listen. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he's like, hallelujah. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Spread your wings over your servant, because you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. How many people think God is second rate? How many people love something more than God? How many people think that this thing over here is sexier than God, or this thing over here is better looking than God, or this thing over here is more attractive than God, or they'd rather have this over here, or this over here pulls them more than God does? You see, she lay at his feet, and Boaz must have been a little older, not quite as rich as some of the people around. And when she lay down at his feet, he noticed her. He looked down and said, what blessings you have poured out on me because you wanted me more than everything else. That's what God wants. <laughs> That's what God wants. He doesn't want your work. 
He doesn't want your, your, your blood, sweat, and tears. He wants you to want him. He wants you to lay at his feet. He wants you to make him feel better. He wants you to, to, to compliment him, to reach out to him when you could be reaching out to something over here that's near and dear. He's wanting you to want him more than anything else in the world. He's wanting you to want him more than your wife. He's wanting you to want him more than your children. He's wanting you to want him more than anything else in this world. All God is wanting from you is you and your full surrender. God is wanting your full surrender. And God is looking at you who are laying at his feet, who are beaten, battered, and bruised. And no, you have not dressed yourself up, but you have been anointed because there's nowhere else to go. You've been anointed by the storm, and you've been prepared for work by your storm, and you have been poured out on by your storm. It is time, dear people, to be laying at the feet of Jesus. Listen to this. We all stand to our feet. I want you to put yourself there because you're in a storm. I want you to put yourself there in the storm. I want you to put yourself in the field. I want you to walk through and the, the dust of the field is choking you and it's, it's hot and it's muggy and there's sweat pouring all over you and you see you're working really hard to get by. And as you sweat, the dirt and the dust that is arising, it, it mats in your sweat. And so you try to wipe it away from your face, only to smear the mud to make it run down your face. And your clothes are tattered and torn. You're probably in bare feet, and your feet are sore. And you're thinking to yourself, why? And then you look up, and as you work, and as you strain, and as you're walking that way, you feel like the only thing that you're getting is scraps from God. And God is giving you enough to make it. God is giving you enough to make it. You know, if you're a child of God, you're a child of God, you'll make it. Some of you are living in defeat right now. Some of you who are children of God are living in defeat right now because you will not let God work for you and you refuse to submit to his full glorious power and you say I've got this God I've got this no I know you I love you but I've got this God and God is saying okay I'll help you survive but what if somebody who had been through the storm would come to you and say let's stop working in the field and let's go and lay it as You see, when she was working in the field, when she was working in the field, he was throwing her scraps. But when she lay at his feet, he made her his wife. When she was working and grunting in the field, dirty as could be, she had enough to survive. But when she lay at his feet, she was made to come alive. Stop working in the field start living it is not for you to survive child of God it is for you to live and show other people how to live 
because you've been there and you've done that and your storm may rage on today. But come hell or high water, you are a child of God. You are a, a prince of princes. You are an heir to the throne and the king of glory is in your corner. And if God can be for us, who can be against us? Jesus wants to use you in your storm. You come out of that field right now, child of God, and you lay at his feet and become a prince. After the storm, the sun shines. I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond and lay your storm down. Last week we come up here and we prayed, God, please hold us up in the storm. We may need to pray for you again on that today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, because some storms are raging. But there are some of you right now who put yourself in the storm because you will not stop trying to figure it out. You will not stop trying to work and try to, try to do God's work. Some of you today need to lay down at his feet and fully surrender. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart from God. Some of you have said, why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? Do you even love him? Do you even love him? What do you love more than you love God? I want you to come to the altar today, and I want you to lay that thing down, and I want your storm to end so that God's glory can begin in you. Lay it down today. It is time for Landrum to be bum-rushed by the power and the glory of God, by people who have said, yeah, I've been through hell. Yeah, I've been in a storm, but God's going to use it. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to lay down at his feet, and he's going to give me power. He's going to give me glory. He's going to give me everything that I need to not only make it through this storm, but to provide for my family. Don't you know what happened after this storm? Don't you know? Have you read to the end of the book? Do you know what happens because of Naomi's storm ultimately? You see, when Boaz married Ruth and took her from being a slave to a wife, they had a child, and that child was named Obed, and that child had a child, and that child's son was David, who is David, King David, who eventually, through the line, born Jesus Christ. Because of the storm, Jesus was born, and salvation comes to a lost world. Your storm could be the salvation of the world. Your storm could be the salvation to the person standing behind you, to the side of you, in front of you. Your storm, God will use to make a difference in this world. Lay down at his feet. What do you need to lay down today? You. I'm talking to you. Don't look at that person beside you. It's time for the storm to be over. It's time for us to be used. And I am calling you, as I called these men, they laid things down. They laid things down that was almost impossible to lay down. They did it through the hand of God. So now I am calling you to lay it down. I am calling you to lay it down. There's one right there. Come and lay it down so that we can get busy for God Almighty. I'm here.